trapped in three separate realities. I'm moving back and forth through time. Putting the lives of his entire crew at risk. What you're asking for is impossible. The card must stop the greatest threat to mankind. Red alert! All crew to battle stations. In a deadly showdown with his most powerful enemy. Humanity's fate has been sealed. You will be destroyed. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS series, Discovery, Picard, all of them, <laughs> short treks. Today, we're going to talk about the finale of Star Trek The Next Generation, all good things, as we cap off our Discussing Picard series, which included so far Conspiracy, Q Who, Samaritan Snare, Best of Both Worlds, Family, The Drumhead, Iborg, Tapestry, and again, we're finishing things off with all good things. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Who Storian, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? I am excited to get in and talk about this. I've not seen this in probably, oh, I'm not going to say how long, but I'm very excited to be here and can't wait to talk about this. Awesome, awesome. And also on the podcast tonight, we have the Stargate storying Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, dude? I am great. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. And last but certainly not least, we have the Trek storian Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? I am doing wonderful, man. I'm trying a new podcasting setup here as I advance my podcasting skills. Um other than that, frustrated, ordered a disc off of Wayfair, and it came with a thousand pieces. So. Oh, God. That sounds like yeah. the Ikea furniture thing. <laughs> yeah. Where's a computer when you need it or data or something? Oh, man, man. Well, uh, to you guys listening, uh, however you got here, whatever brought you this way, we want to thank you for tuning in and also for rating us, which I know you're going to do. I know you're waiting. You're you're longing to give us a five star rating on iTunes, which we certainly will appreciate any ratings and reviews on iTunes or the various other podcasting platforms. Help us get discovered and get more listeners into the fold. So, guys, news and updates. So we do have a pretty bit of sad news. I don't think this happened uh, before uh, our last podcast, but um, Rene Arbajonwa, um unfortunately passed on. And um, that's Odo, if you don't know, from DS9. Uh, certainly one of our favorite actors. Maybe we talked about this last time. I'm not sure, but, but you guys have any thoughts on that? Any favorite Odo moments that we're, that you want to bring up or just pontificate about how much we loved his character and this actor? Uh, any thoughts? And I know, John, I know you really like Odo as well. So of course, man, it was one of the best. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm just watching. I forget the episode name or the number. Anyway, it's uh, right when he and Kira starts dating, you know, and Vic hooks him up in the whole suite. And then you have Odo kind of with his swagger. He's dancing and he has all the nice pickup lines going. Man, awesome Odo. Yeah. Um, does anybody else have any thoughts? Mm, I like the fact of 
I really enjoyed him on DS9. I loved the character's uniqueness. It was, I think, at the time, something that I'd never seen before. And I would say maybe something we haven't seen since. And as for the actor, I also really enjoyed him on Boston Legal yes. as well. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, he he was good on there. I really enjoyed him on there. You know, it's it's funny. We look back to the year 2019 and the, the actors we lost from the Star Trek family. Uh, again, uh, Renee Arbogenwa. We have uh, Aaron Eisenberg, Nog. Uh, Robert Walker Jr., which he was in the episode Charlie... X, if I'm remembering that correctly from TOS, he was the one saying, is that a girl? <laughs> I don't know if you remember that scene, but that, that was that guy. He, he passed on this year and as well as a writer, DC Fontana, which actually wrote the encounter at Farpoint. And I did not know <clears throat> that when they did the credits, they put her name as DC Fontana. So no one would know it was a woman. Really? I didn't know that. So wow. she had at that time, it wasn't really a thing for a woman to be a whatever position, head writer, executive writer, whatever case may be, whatever position she held there, it wasn't the thing for a woman to do it. So they had the writer in the credits as DC Pontana. Well, not even just a writer in general, but as a, a science fiction writer. Yeah. Yeah, and, especially. It, and certainly the encounter of our point, you know, that's uh, TNG, but she did start writing on TOS. So that I can see the reasoning for that happening in the TOS era. Uh, I don't, you know, support it, but, you know, it's kind of a, a sign of the time. So, yeah, that's wow. <laughs> How far we've come. <laughs> have far left to go. Indeed, sir. Indeed. So do you guys have any other news or reflections on 2019 and Trek that you want to talk about before we move on to our review? Mm, I will say that I find it really, really fun uh, watching what we've watched in 2019. I mean, we had another series of discovery and we discovered, for lack of a better pun, that we were, were going to be kind of going down memory lane with Picard in a way that has just given these reviews that we've done of our Picard series a whole new meaning because we're going to go out and watch these characters 25 years later. So I really am so excited to talk about this tonight. But yeah, that's kind of another semi-reflection 2019. Yeah, yeah, certainly has been a, a great year for Trek. I think we have had, you know, all the Picard news. We had a great season of Discovery. We've had uh, the short tricks come back in full swing, which, you know, we'll get into those maybe at some later date, but I'm really enjoying them. Um, they're vastly different this year, but I am enjoying those. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's been a, you know, other than the people we've lost along the way, I feel like it's been a, a pretty good year of trick, you know? Um, we, we've seen, uh, Paramount and, um, CBS merge again. So, you know, I guess the potential is off the charts for what we're going to see going forward in 2020 and 2021. So yeah, I'm just happy about that and really ready to, you know, hit the ground running next year. So. And I'm also glad to hear you're hearing more people now kind of peak of interest in Star Trek that usually we never heard from, you know. So like even random people at work, you know, I I say something about Star Trek and they'll say, hey, didn't they do a new series? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. You know, most time you don't hear that. You don't. no one's that interested or Star Trek is never a part of the there was, news. There was almost like a shame attached to liking Star Trek and. 
and all that. And now that then that shame's kind of dissipating. Mm. So I'm going to make a prediction, and my prediction is going to be: I think Picard is going to positively impact our impact discovery because I think there is a bigger draw for Picard for nostalgia reasons, and I think by the availability of discovery because of people watching Picard will grow the discovery audience. And, and that's definitely, I think why they're putting Picard coming out before the next series of discovery. But I think it's going to really help discovery in the long run. <laughs> yeah. That's funny because, you know, discovery comes back and it's supposed to be this tent pole um, uh, property for CBS all access, you know, uh, to, to bring that resurgence to, or bring that, you know, um, people into the fold for that subscription service. But as we see, once we've getting, we're getting this Star Trek back in action, we've seen Picard come along and, and potentially, I think for all intents and purposes, purposes be more popular at this point. And like you said, John, I think more people are teaming, you know, uh, chomping at the bit to see this versus, discovery which is sad in a way because i do think discovery is really good i really love the show but uh, a lot of that toxic fandom that it had early on has just now dissipated so you know excited for that show going forward to see what they do in season three and of course i think picard i think hope will be fantastic as well so but i think if there's nothing else i think we're ready to just jump straight into our final discussing Picard review, uh, all good things. Let's go for it. Let's do it. I'm ready. So guys, if you have not seen this episode, which aired on May 23rd, 1994, spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. Star Trek The Next Generation All Good Things, which uh, again aired May 23rd, 1994 a two episode arc, the series finale for Star Trek The Next Generation and the end of just a fantastic run and you know before they move on to movies like they did but yeah, a very important episode so in this episode, Picard Captain Picard finds himself shifting continually into the past, future and present and let's use that to discover a threat to humanity's existence so i'm going around the horn and just get the quick high level view of what we thought of this episode and i'm going to start with jeremy what did you think man um i'm not gonna lie i was confused quite a bit because of the time shifting but i thought it was an actually a very excellent episode to end the series what about you john um Man, as with most episodes, I have to lead off with what an amazing performance acting wise. Uh, that, that stood out to me most. Um, as, uh, I, I agree with Jeremy, the whole timey wimey stuff kind of, I hate time <laughs> stuff. I really do. <laughs> and then we have something called anti time, which we'll get into that later, yes. I'm sure. And that even more confused me. But other than that, it was great writing and, amazing acting like i even pointed out to my wife like watch this actor which was picard I was like watch him just watch how he this is like the best acting i've ever seen 
And it's just an hour long show. Not even an hour. Yeah. Pat Patrick Stewart is certainly amazing. Certainly yes. amazing. Now, I have one overhead view that I dislike. Too much chest hair. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like seeing the robe halfway open? <laughs> crazy Picard running out. What day is it? <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't tickle your fancy? Come on, man. Come on. I don't want ground beef anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. So, Cal Jones, man, what do you think about I this I don't episode? know how to follow up that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's say that the episode aged well. I liked seeing it the first time. I liked seeing it this time. I liked seeing it this time with the element of knowing that we're really going to see these characters in a few weeks, 25 years later. And I think that made this for me so much more fun to watch. So, you know, um, summary, I really liked it. Yeah, it's it's funny how much how many of these Star Trek episodes play with time. You know, <laughs> it's a lot of them, actually. And I always love the time episodes. There's a few things that they do in this episode to make it less confusing than it could have been, which I really liked. And we'll get into that. But I, I will say like halfway into or a third into the episode, I kind of even if you've seen this for the first time, you can kind of tell, you know, that he's probably the one that's going to cause what happens. And even, you know, uh, Q says as much. So, I mean, I really love this episode. It is a, it does bring a bit of, uh, uh, closure to these guys's arcs, though. We know from the episode that, uh, we have the ability to change what happens, you know, it's just a possible future. So, um, I really love this as like, uh, finality to what they've done but it, it it just puts me in the mindset of like what are we going to see in Picard man what are they going to do differently from this vision of what they thought it would, would be the eventual end of these characters in 1994 so um, yeah I love this episode man I thought it was brilliantly written and again like the acting is always amazing I loved how we got to see these uniforms in different eras again and how much the show has changed over the way. Uh, some stuff I felt didn't quite work, even though we brought some characters back to their positions, them being much older than they were <laughs> in season one. It was just like starkly noticeable, but we'll get into all that. So first off, I had totally <laughs> forgot that counselor Troy and Worf dated. Did Me guy? too. <laughs> yeah, I did too. It's like this is weird. <laughs> Worf was kind of a player player, wasn't Man, Worf get all the good women. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was that was a that was kind of a shocking thing. Well, not shocking. It, like you said, it was just kind of a blast. Like I forgot all about that. Yeah. And I don't really know. Do we know how long that lasted? It, Until Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, when did that? I guess that was just recently starting, maybe at the beginning of season seven, yeah. midway through. Yeah, and and it's I don't ever remember remember it being mentioned in DS Nine at all that he dated her. Um, and he does talk about some of his past relationships in that show. So I don't know, I don't know, but hmm. yeah, but 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 you would know it would be some. Conf- uh, conflict between Riker and Worf if that really happened, you know. I mean, I mean that's 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 Riker's girl. Come on, 
<laughs> and obviously, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> obviously, the war relationship didn't work out. We know that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, even from uh, the movies, we know that didn't work out. So, but I mean, could you imagine like the emotional feel? Like, okay, she senses his emotions, and it's war. Like her brain got to be going crazy trying to handle all this emotion he's giving off. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh man. Yeah. That's not to imagine Luxwana coming over for a family dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can see Worf pulling what little Harry has left out. <laughs> Jeez. But, but you know, uh, we see a troubled Captain Picard informing Worf and Troy that he's moving back and forth through time. So uh, this is my first question, but maybe John has already addressed this. Uh, I know you hate time episodes. Did the notion of the possibility of this episode jumping back and forth through time immediately give you pause? No, no, no. So you were you were all in. You were ready to go with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I was. Well, it's hard to say because again, it's something we've seen before. So mm. hard to say at first watch. Would you be okay with it? Um, I think it. Even though I hate time episodes, they did this. This was done very well, in my opinion. Yeah, because I I don't think. Again, it just didn't really seem like he was necessarily traveling back and forth through time other than his mind was going back and forth through time. Interesting. Because, you know, they always pictured him like he was on the ship and he never left the ship in the current timeline. So when he would come back, it was like he never really left. So it kind of didn't make it feel like he was necessarily going back and forth through time. His mind was just going there. Yeah, and for that matter, I have to give the 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 editors, the director. I don't know who directed this episode, but kudos because when they were switching back and forth, I felt like it was edited so beautifully. Where he was starting yes, was. one sentence, especially when he was to the point where spoil uh, later on this episode, where he's trying to um, coordinate the the scan of the 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 phenomena. He kept jumping back and forth after Data gave him that idea. He went back and then told the next Data that. And he's like, oh, that's a good idea. Where did you come up with that from? <laughs> then he goes to the next. He's like, it, that, the, the way that was edited was like some of the best editing I've seen. It just worked so beautifully together. And they, then, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, like, and they made it, they did it in a way that where it wasn't confusing. It's like they laid out the cars like, this is how you're going to understand what's going on. And they made it just work. Yeah, dude. Like if you hate, if you hate, if you just can't keep up with time things, this was actually the easiest I've ever seen. Yeah. And, and uh, other guys, you can chime in. I know I'm talking a lot, but the other thing I loved about how they, the justification of the different time, um, the different eras in time or the past present future they didn't make it to where a change in the past affected the future directly if they would have this episode would have been impossible to follow right yes agreed so just that little edit there made it way more dumbed down so to speak but more understandable and more coherent i think and you're less likely to lose track of the story you know, sometimes you get so caught up in trying to figure out what happened here that caused this, you kind of forget the whole story. 
And in here, you were like enthralled in the story, and it wasn't really about time. It was, but it wasn't. You weren't it, thinking that. They did make it much easier to follow yeah. doing that. And again, like this really, really, really highlights the acting skills. Like just to be able to transition from I'm sitting here in front of Dr. Crusher and she's examining me and then all of a sudden I'm tying up grapevines. <laughs> and you know could you old man from from right. Logan again. <laughs> so even if they did even if they did like they shot the Dr. Crusher scene one week and the next week they went to the grapevines, or if they did it back to back in that same day, like what it take what kind of mindset takes you to flip to that character? Yeah. And keep it in line. You know what I mean? Like and like you said, the transitions made it almost seamless. Yeah, beautiful editing job, man. One of the best I've seen. So just a quick wiki search on the director of the episode, Winrick Colby. Um I'm sure I mispronounced what at least one of those names. Um he directed that episode. He directed the first episode of Star Trek Voyager. Interesting. He was Heavily involved in the casting of Voyager, actually dated Colt Mulgrew for a couple of years. Wow. <laughs> and worked with um, Avery Brooks in Deep Space Nine and Spencer for Hire. Hmm. He directed about 50 episodes of Star Trek across four different series. Wow. So he was, you know, they, they just pull somebody in off the street and say, here, read this, direct it. And I mean, they got somebody with some experience. Yeah. So, John, you briefly mentioned going to the future and seeing old man Picard. What are you guys like initial thoughts on seeing crazy old man <laughs> Picard with this uh, urmatic, ur- urmatic syndrome? Urmatic. Um, uh, Urmatic. Ur- degenerative neurological disorder that caused deterioration of the synaptic pathways. Uh, what, are, what are our thoughts on crazy man Picard? I mean... It's it's it. Well, I, I'll answer the question first. It's so weird seeing him play old man Picard when <clears throat> in 2019 we have old man Picard. <laughs> that to me looks more like regular man Picard. To be brutally honest with you, yeah, regular man Picard with makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah. and, and, and that was another great thing about this episode. We got to see this, their vision of what these characters would look like much older. And I think they didn't really get it right on maybe Jordy a little bit, but other than that, it's like none of them look like they look now. Uh, and they especially got Riker wrong on the old man look. So, oh, yeah, that was yeah. terrible. <laughs> he looked like a sophisticated uh, uh, gerbil or, or <laughs> triple. <laughs> Coincidentally, uh, Gates McFadden looks the same. So, hey, true. <laughs> what I've seen. Oh, added gray streaks. <laughs> yeah. Now, I I do find it interesting. Uh, they kind of updated us on what Jordy's been up to. Do you guys, uh, do you remember an episode where they mentioned that he married, uh, Leah Brahms? Yeah. The warp, the warp specialist. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was pretty freaking cool because he got first infatuated with her hologram while he was trying to fix the warp, warp engine. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. And, that was and two kids. <laughs> Three kids. 
Three, yeah, three kids. Yeah. Huh. So another question I had about this is we again we talked about uromatic syndrome. Do we think the Picard in the Star Trek Picard series still has this syndrome? I know you didn't really uh, display it in any of the movies that I remember, but I could be totally wrong. Well, technically, he didn't display it in this episode either. I mean, what everybody thought was aromatic syndrome was actually happening to him. Interesting. Good point. So and so, I mean, it's potential. Like if you do a the what is it? Uh, Memory Alpha says aromatic syndrome takes could take up to thirty years for it presents any symptoms. So I mean, we could get to the Picard series and he still has it, but it just hadn't presented any symptom symptoms. Well said. Well said. That's what I'm hoping for. Or it could just be something that is canon but not really referred to again. Or Crusher messed up the diagnosis. Possibly. Uh, so we get these all these scenes of jumping back and forth and back and forth, back and forth through time. So a few observations I had I want to ask you guys about. Like, Kyle, what did you think about seeing Tasha Yar again? And did she just look totally too old to be playing season one Tasha Yar again? <laughs> mm, considering the fact in, you know, <laughs> Doctor Who, you see older versions of different characters that really didn't bother me i had i liked every time that they brought her back and i had forgotten that she was in the end so this was a kind of a cool moment for me of going oh cool i forgot she was in the you know last episode so no it really didn't bother me um now that i'm thinking about it it really didn't huh for some reason even though it's only seven years later she looks way older than me i i, I don't know why maybe because she was so young when only seven years ago though so i don't know she was 30 so let me ask you this are you comparing the fact that we've seen her now and, and knowing what she looks like now is that maybe mudding your thoughts because you know what she looks like 25 years later not in addition to seven years later but the tasha yar in the episode was from the very beginning of the series yeah right yeah. right i get that but 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 if you're comparing how she looks seven years later, but you also know what she looks like 25 years later, could that cloud your impression of her playing that original Tasha again? Possibly. But but it, it, to me, like in the when she first came on the series, she just looked really young. She was 30 and she looked like she was 20. So maybe that's the hang up. <laughs> Um, like another person, uh, uh, Cole Meany, when he, he came back to play, um, the chief, chief O'Brien in this episode. Uh, I think at the time he was at DS9, so he came back to reprise his role on, um, on, on uh, uh, TNG. So, I mean, to, again, he's playing his first season character, but he looks a lot older. And, and what I will say about that, I do like all of these scenes, and I mentioned, you know, Picard sparking data uh, on some of the theories he had from the future. I I do like the fact that he came back and he knew the potential of the chief of Chief O'Brien. <laughs> I love that Picard was throwing all these ideas at him to do this these engineering feats, which even he didn't really believe it could do, but the captain had confidence in him. So I really like that. Like I wanted hmm. more of that. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. And, you know, it, you always seen Chief O'Brien is it was like a wasted character on TNG after you've watched him yes. in DS9. Yes. You know, uh, the whole time you go through TNG and you never seen DS9, the best you got out of him was Transporter Chief. But man, what you get in DS9, you kind of go back and look at TNG like he could have solved a lot of problems they had a lot faster. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say that it's just a shame they wasted that character. Yeah, he he went from tran- Transporter Chief to Chief Operations on DS9 and they just take him um in a totally massive direction on DS9, which was, I just really, really loved. Um, but yes, yeah, so I do have a problem with the chief with in this appearance. episode, in this episode, he was in red command uniform at one point, but chief is not a chief rank in Starfleet is not in the command structure. Like, mm, but was he chief? Was was he the transported chief the first year of uh, TNG? It doesn't matter. He's he a chief is not in the command cannot be yeah. in command. But I think so. Like, yeah, you're right. Like a chief is always in gold, and that person, unless they go back to Starfleet Academy and go through the command training, I mean, they and if they do that, then they come back. They will no longer have the chief rank. It will be. Cadet or ensign, lieutenant, lieutenant commander, commander, but a chief is not an enlisted man in Starfleet. Mm. Oh, good point. Good point. <laughs> I can't refute that. I really don't know the the, the difference uh, on some of the some of those points of the uniforms. I think in the first season, the uniforms a little swirly anyway. I, yeah, bro. See, I don't I don't know if they're strictly adhering to what they eventually moved to, but but yeah, you're right. That did seem weird. Uh, what do you think about it, man? So much of this episode just kind of makes me think of what they're going to be doing in the Picard series, because look what old man Picard is trying to do. He's going and contacting his old friends to get a gang of them together to procure a ship to go and solve a problem that's a threat to the universe. That sounds like exactly what Picard series is to me. (laughs) And maybe that, well, maybe that started this whole Picard series. Like maybe they're picking up like right from there. So, uh, so at some point through the episode, we start to see these visions of this peanut gallery or these crazy, uh, people jumping about laughing and dancing, which was reminiscent of something else we've seen in the series. <sighs> So how long did it take you guys to figure out that this would, this would be centered around Q? Was it pretty much pretty apparent from the start? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, not yeah. for me. Not for me. I did not think Q. Yeah. What about the idea of this trial coming back though? That we saw in the very first episode coming back to play a huge part in the finale. Loved it. Bookend. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. That was pretty good. That was very good. So did did we ever decide if it was was he actually moving through time or did Q cause it? Well, he said that Q said that he was allowing him to move through time, but Q didn't cause the anomaly. I mean, we see from the episode that right, right. It's it's all it's, it's the this episode is the ultimate chicken and the egg. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, he says that right. 
Yeah, he does. He he is chasing a problem that does not really exist unless he creates it. Which, you know, that's that's one of the, the, the funny things you, we talked about before uh, of ha- hating having e- experienced the episode that doesn't really matter or that never really happened. But that's exactly what this episode is in a sense. Nobody knows about this except him. He wakes up and he's back where he was when he originally approached uh, uh, Troy in the war. But that being said, I do like the thought process part Picard had to go through to get to the solution. Um, and, and also this being like one final test for humanity. And it wasn't, it, it, it's, it's kind of weird because it wasn't an issue or wasn't a problem of his own doing. So how do we even get started down this road? If he would have never, ever <laughs> tried to pursue this, this, this anomaly that's getting bigger back in time. So that that I know I sound crazy right now, but that's what's always confusing <laughs> about these episodes. Like if it never happened, then again, Janeway, you're just hurting your brain. If it never happened, why, why? How did we get down this road? You know, because you're thinking of time as linear. Oh, listen to you. Good. Listen to you. I learned that from the prophets. <laughs> I, I say that, that's very cool. I'm, I'm glad you give the doctor such great reverence. <laughs> Listen, that's just been my asshole. Like when I get so confused to try to figure it out, I just say, you know what? Time is not linear. So, like, <laughs> anything could happen. It's a <laughs> like the future can be the past. Wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. Yeah. Well, speaking of that big ball that only got bigger as we went back in time, I thought that was just a great premise that, man, just think, who who comes up with this? We have an anomaly that starts as a smidget of nothing in the future, but gets bigger as time goes backwards. Just that idea into itself is like a huge idea. I mean, who thinks like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... that's but see, given it the name anti-time and, you, you, you know, they were talking about anti-matter and anti-space and all of that, you know, looking at the anti-monitor and the monitor from the DC universe, that, that just kind of made the anti-time kind of cool to me because I've, you know, always since 85 read about the anti-matter universe. So I just thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I, I really like that as well. I really like that as well. So we talked about the, the Troy Wharf relationship. What about the Picard, uh, Crusher marriage thing? <clears throat> Did anybody see that coming? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, that's been festering this whole, like the entire series. So again, the real question is once we get to Star Trek Picard, did they ever get married? I'm going to say no, but you know, who knows? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it'll be different because you're going to throw Wesley into the mix. Mm. And <laughs> that just kind of throws everything off. Oh, haters. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, I know I'm talking a lot, but I just love how this episode is just a sort of this meta commentary on the last seven years of the show itself. It's, yes. it's, a, it's a weird meta commentary on that. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Q, we see where Q accesses what Picard 
has done in the last seven years, uh, which Q says is worrying about Riker's career, listening to Troy's <laughs> pathetic psycho babble and indulging in Data's witless exploration of humanity. While Picard rebuts, they've journeyed to countless new worlds, contacted new species, and have expanded their understanding of the universe. So again, uh, I don't think Q is wrong in his assessment either, but I just love the meta of this whole conversation where they're talking about the last seven years of the show, but it's also the things that we've seen and been involved with for the last seven seasons. So I, I really love that. Yeah, that was that was a pretty good, as Cal said, a pretty good bookend to the series. Um, you know, a lot of times it leaves you with a lot of questions, and I don't think this did. I, th- I think this kind of answered a lot of questions, solved a lot. It was a good move on episode to another series. So I, I, I really did like that, especially the Q kind of wrapped it up for us, I guess you would say. I hate to give him credit for anything. I don't. <laughs> and it's funny that you said that because I was sitting here about to say is this was almost to me like a rep, um, redemption for Q in, in a way because there was that moment of I kind of like you. You know, I've come to respect you, even though I'm not really saying I respect you. <laughs> You know, you're still just nothing but an ant to me, but I still like you <laughs> as an ant. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I still like you as an ant. <laughs> I mean, you know, but it was like I'm so much more powerful. I'm so much more grander. But but I'm not going to really say it, but y- you did earn my respect, maybe. Yes, yeah, certainly. Certainly. We have to name this episode. We like you as an ant. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, warp thirteen. So here's the problem I had with that. Because, oh boy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> because Voyager did this whole episode that going past warp ten will turn you into some kind of like salamander. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you would evolve to, to a nth degree, right? No, they, it was it no, was evolved. it was, yeah, it was yeah. evolution. You, right. you it was just like rolling back over. Right. You just kept going, and then all of a sudden we're at warp thirteen with no problems. Yeah. So, it was a better warp bubble. I, I'm sure it was. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, I actually went and researched this one, and there have been other instances where they've gone over um, ten. Um, for instance, the episode where. Um, where Wesley makes friends with the alien guy and they get pushed several light years to a different um, part of space. Mm-hmm. But those are artificial warp tens. So the fact that this was a uh, warp 13 initiated by, you know, um, uh, Dr. Crusher and at the time, uh, Captain Crusher, well, excuse me. It, it just felt weird. Captain it, Picard. It well, technically, weird. technically, so I got two things. Number one, back Wesley's friend, uh well, I can't think of his name. Uh it, it it really wasn't artificial faster than warp ten. Like he just fused himself with the engines and made the engines overdrive basically. Hmm. Uh it just it tacked it overtaxed him to hold it all together. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day it was the engines that did the physical work. It's just this alien could kind of like blend his mind to it to control it a little bit, a little better. Yeah. So 
in theory, you could find a computer to do the same thing that this alien did and get the same engines to exceed warp 10. Secondly, we, there's always limitations. I mean, Cochran says we'll never go past what warp five. Yeah. And we, they break that. And then there was, a, there's always been a warp barrier. And I forget what episode or which series they said the warp barrier has been broken many times. I could, it's safe to, Hypothesize. Let me use a big word. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> that you want to chuck over that word? Oh no, oh, no. I'm proud of myself. I get a plaque. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's safe to think that in that future that they've kind of overcome that warp barrier as well. I mean, I'm sure. That, and I, I was just sitting here thinking that I'm sure there are different methods to breaking, you know, to accomplish the same thing. And I'm sure at some point somebody was found a safer way to to break that warp barrier. Yeah, but it would have been nice to have some kind of explanation. Yeah, because I know I know this was done before that Voyager episode, but you know maybe if for my sake for my sake if Voyager had referenced, well, no, that would that would have been the future, so they could have done that. Well, technically, this I mean, yeah, yeah, it happened before Voyager, but his time travel to the future was a future after Voyager. Yeah, that's true. But so. I think the whole thing, though, I think what ultimately makes it weird is that Voyager, as much as I love Voyager, Voyager paints the franchise itself in kind of this, you know, in in this hole they can't really get out of. If they're saying 10 is the max and you turn into salamanders, (laughs) you know, I think they're, they're painting themselves in a corner a little bit. But but again, like like you guys said, different technologies. It might not be warp. It might be a vari- variation on warp. It might be a spore drive. You know, you might be <laughs> tra- transpro- going across the mycelium network, you know. So it, it certainly can be different technologies. But, yeah, I, I, I guess I don't really like how Voyager kind of painted the, the show mm. in the corner. I don't think it was in a corner. I think it's just like human evolution. I like we. And there's been many things in the past that say that humans could never do. It was an impossibility, and then see, it becomes possible. You guys are not listening to what Q said. Get out of analyzing everything and look at the things that you didn't think were possible. Oh, okay. I like it. All right, I guess guess we'll have to go with that one. <laughs> Nice bookie in there, Kyle. Thanks, sir. <laughs> so, in hey, in, I didn't say it. Q did. <laughs> in addition, oh, I got to thank you for something else. <laughs> Kyle just built him up and then broke Jonathan right back down. <laughs> in addition to the warp ten, I'll just throw in a few more things that I hated from the episode. An episode that I ultimately really loved. Especially. I hate. I hated the the USS Pasteur. I uh, just horrible looking, ugly medical <laughs> ship. Just ugly. The flying planet. <laughs> the, horrible. the flying disco ball. Oh god! And I, I liked the bridge of that. <laughs> 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 and I have to say, I hated the uh, future version of the Enterprise uh, with the, the addition on the cell. I just doesn't look right. I'm sorry. That's weird. <laughs> well, that might be where they get the extra warp from. There is a crowd. Yeah, you might be right. Or <laughs> another midday cell, you go a little bit faster. But the push there or push there or whatever did not have a third in the cell. It had a big ball. That was enough. But that, hey, look, sometimes, it's you, sometimes it's all you need. <laughs> a big ball, really? <laughs> 
it came in like a no. Um, so, well, I'll, that's about all the notes I have for the episode. Uh, myself, um, Q saying the trial never ends. Uh, the whole thing is completely erased because it never really happened if he stopped the anomaly and everything kind of went back to normal. I just feel like it's ultimately a fun episode that is meta commentary on the series. It is a well done time, time jump episode to where we jump into different eras. I think it's excellent writing. Uh, to this concept of this anomaly getting bigger and bigger in the past and eventually, uh, into the creation of, 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 of human beings or on earth is going back to destroy all of that. I just, I just loved, um, how that played out in the episode and just well done writing, excellent editing, some of the best editing I've seen on any Star Trek episode. And yeah, I, I just ultimately just really loved it. Um, do you guys have any other thoughts or takeaways from this episode? Well, I have a thought, but I also have a question that's part of my thought. And my my thought was, I remember watching this first time through, and this was unique in a sense of I didn't get sad because it was the last episode, because I knew I would see these characters again a year later in Star Trek Generations. And I was planning on seeing that or anticipating seeing that. So I didn't have that sad seeing the series in moment like that I did when Voyager ended or when DS nine ended. Did you guys feel the same or did you, did you did it have something similar or did you find this sad? I, you know, I didn't find it sad. I, I kind of agree with you. I, I felt like it, it was an ending to a series, but it wasn't the end of them. Like yeah, there was, well there said. was no finality to it, but it still, it, it, it wrapped up the series, but it didn't, end the series and they weren't going their separate ways or something like that. Right. Kyle, you may remember this because you're about the same age, same same age I am, but there was a trope, especially like in the eighties where when a series ended, it was like everybody went their separate ways. Like the final episode was them telling everybody what they're going to do next. Oh, absolutely. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. So this was, you know, a good break from that because this is about the time when those other shows stopped doing that kind of stuff. And then it went right back to it in DS9. Saddest episode ever. Best episode ever, but the last episode. Yeah. Yeah, that was terrible. Especially uh, Azri Dax looking back. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. I might cry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I, I, I don't. So... No, it was not sad because for the same reasons you're saying, it wasn't that same, you know, everybody going their separate way, finite end to it. Yeah. So it didn't really make it sad. But, you know, watching this again kind of brought back the same thought I had when I was seeing it the first time. Like, it really piqued my interest to see, you know, Data is like at Cambridge. He's like a top professor. At Cambridge, and Jordy's wife is like taking over the Daystrom Institute, and yeah. so it kind of piqued my interest. Like, man, I do want more. Like, there's more here. Yeah. Like, imagine the potential. Like, that that piqued my interest more than anything. So now watching it again, I'm thinking I'm just that much more excited to see Picard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It gives gives us a good glimpse of what could be. You know. And like they really should play this episode 
like on CBS, like they should just have this there as a precursor to the first episode of Picard. If it fits. Yeah, and, and we and we know that he's on that, you know, he's on his, his family uh form. We know he's there. His vineyard. We know he's there. So um yeah, so many things of what could be in this this vision of the future, which I think that's that might be the best thing I loved about it. Um, the vision of where these characters could be. And again, like I, I love Picard going through time and, and showing people their potential or one, one moment that he was amazed by seeing data before data has, you know, taken this journey toward becoming more human. He got to see <laughs> data again in his rawest form. And that was just like a bit of wonder and amazement for him to just see the potential that is there for that character. And where the character is going to go, and he just had to stop and look at him for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like there is that data that pissed me off so much. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, data. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm gonna tell you something. A quick side note. So this bothered me enough to look it up. Maybe you guys already knew it, or maybe not. So uh, Jordy made mention when he met Picard at the vineyard. Uh, you know ambassador Picard. So it got me thinking, ambassador to what? I told well, I had to do that. some research of that and he he's after his retirement, he became ambassador to Vulcan. Hmm. In in canon or in this main, in this timeline. in this timeline. But it's the only time he's ever, he'll ever be called ambassador. Interesting. And Interesting. it was ambassador to Vulcan. So let's see if they continue that through the Picard series. Interesting. And it's also funny we find out that admirals can pick their own ships. I guess, you know, Riker picks the Enterprise. So, I don't know. Yeah. And did you? Well, I think we mentioned this in in the previous episode. But when they went back to the time when Picard was taking command of the Enterprise, and he read the orders, they were signed by uh, Santee. What's her name? Uh, the late Admiral Santee. Yeah. Nora. That's what Nora Santee. So she gave him command of the Enterprise. I don't think they mentioned that when they were going through that trial. Huh. Did they show that in this episode? Yeah. I so totally maybe missed it. So the shuttlecraft with uh, Tasha, Natasha Yar. Uh-huh. He walks up to the podium and he says, Yes. Stardate blah, blah, blah by the executive order of Adm- Rear Admiral Nora Seti. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That is freaking cool. Red alert. <laughs> Right. Oh, man, I think this dude is cuckoo. (laughs) Oh, man, I have to say, I do love, um, you can tell how much in seven years the technology has gotten better, too, because we got that scene of seeing the Enterprise in in Dry Dock, which I'm like, we never would have saw that in season one, but we got the close up view of the shuttle and Tasha Yor coming. I don't think we saw that in the first season. Mm, I don't think we did. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's like a testament to how better the technology has gotten over the years. But yeah, I mean, we ultimately end up with, with Picard doing something that he feels that he should have done a long time ago, which is joining, joining the crew for poker, which that's crazy that it took him all seven seasons to to make it there. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I thought at one point he did like walk in there to, join and did not for some reason yeah it seems like i remember that 
or maybe he sat down and then it, I don't remember. I th- I do remember that being tried once before, but he never did accomplish it. But maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. And also, I know we're, we're about to wrap this up, guys, but I also saw a few similarities in how this finale is a time episode and the finale of Voyager is a time episode. So a lot of Voyager was time episodes, though, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why I like Voyager so much. Yeah. But you get to see old, old Janeway and, you know, so, yeah, I guess we're ready to wrap this thing up, guys, uh, to the listeners out there who have stuck with us this long. Thank you for joining. And yeah, yeah. Send in your feedback to, to fans at discussingtrick.com. Let us know what you thought of this episode. We would definitely love to hear from you guys. So we're going to go around the horn and wrap this thing up. Guys, we're in and off the year. So I want to ask you guys, like, what are you into at this very moment? Podcast related or otherwise? And I'm going to start with Jonathan. Oh, wow. Hey, okay. That's <laughs> me. Um, man, nothing. Uh, I'm watching The Walking Dead, which everybody is now telling me not to. (laughs) 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 Like, I finally decided to jump on board, albeit late, to watch it, and it's actually pretty good. But everybody's telling me, oh, you don't want to watch the rest of it. It sucks. It's still good, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. No, it's still good. And, yeah, I agree. It's still good, in my opinion, too. It's different, Mm -hmm. but it's still good. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm watching that and Sherlock, uh, which seems to be pretty good, which is an hour and 30 minute episode. So the, the BBC version that yeah. I tried to get you into like yeah. two or three years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty good. Except yeah, I know. After that first <laughs> after that first hour, you're like, OK, I'm ready for this to end. Right. Because you're used well, to was, an end. Well, they only did three episodes a season. Yeah. Oh, so there's, yeah, yeah. So there's, a, there's a, like little mini movies almost. Right. So that's good. But that's what I'm into, man. That's what I'm into. About damn time. <laughs> what about you, Jeremy? Um, I just wrapped up watching, I'm sure many of us have, The Mandalorian. Yeah. It's really good. Indeed. No spoilers. Uh, I haven't seen the finale. Ooh, wow. Ooh, I could man. mess you up right now. But I'm so, not. But I'm not. Still <laughs> up. Um, and there's, it, he this, dies. You don't know nothing. No, I really don't. <laughs> I hadn't seen the first episode. <laughs> and I've actually, I don't watch wrestling so much anymore, but I've actually found a podcast that I really enjoy listening to. It's the Jim Cornette Experience. And I don't know if you remember who Jim Cornette is, if you're ever a wrestling fan. He's the, the manager who had like the, the tennis racket and the loud, screechy voice. Hmm. But he does a podcast where he talks about the basically the history of wrestling as he was there for it. It is so fascinating to hear kind of the behind the scenes. And all the stories that, you know, like, well, you know, on this night, this happened and all that. It's just really fascinating to listen to if you like history of wrestling. And that's really awesome recommendation. Uh, Kyle Jones. Uh, Let's see. I'm watching right now a little show that you may have heard of called Doctor Who that comes back for season premiere on January the 1st. So two days from now. Can't wait. Awesome. And for me, I've been watching Mandalorian, The Rise of Skywalker, and among other things. Uh, I will say, guys, if you are into this podcast, please check out other family of shows, which you can check out by going to discussingnetwork.com for links to all the various shows and platforms that they're provided on. So, again, check that out at discussingnetwork.com. Actually, for this show, guys, I want you to, if you're on Instagram, 
Twitter or either um, uh, YouTube. Check us out there as well. We are on all of those platforms. You can reach us by just searching for at Discussing Trek on any of those platforms. And once again, like if you have any feedback, you can send that in at fans at DiscussingTrek.com. And this brings 2019 to a close. I want to thank the panel for being on the shows with me throughout the year. It's been a lot of fun. And yeah, we're going to bring 2020 in strong. All right, guys. So as of star date 30122019, this is Discussing Tricks. Signing off. Live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people A woman on Earth And a man in space Struggling to remain connected To help one another through life and death situations Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos Is the sound of each other's voices Find out more at RelativityPodcast.com Discussing at work.